Welcome to iPad Pros, the show all about professionals using the iPad to be productive and get work done. I'm Tim Chadden, host of the show. I think more and more increasingly, we will see that people will be using iPad more as their main computing device. It's not the limitation of the device. I think it's the limitation of like the mental limitation of how using this device. So people are used to the mice and keyboards, right? Or they used to certain apps that, that help them to do their work and their job. There is like an evolution, like eventual evolution of how the very same tasks could be done in a different way. On today's episode, we have Dennis from Riedel, the makers of Spark, Documents, PDF Expert, Printer Pro, Scanner Pro, and many other great iOS productivity apps. Riedel, for those that don't know, was the company that introduced Drag and Drop in their apps just 10 days before Apple introduced iOS 11. In today's interview, we discuss what iOS 11 means for the iPad, what iOS 11 means for their apps, the future of Spark, and countless other topics. Riedel has been creating great iOS apps for the past 10 years now and creates many apps that I depend on day in and day out to get my job done. If you haven't had a chance to check out their apps, head on over to Riedel.com. That's R-E-A-D-D-L-E.com. Without further ado, here's my interview with Dennis. I'm here with Dennis from Riedel. Welcome, Dennis. Hi, Tim. How are you? Doing great. Uh, I'm really excited to catch up with you and what your company's been up to. It's been 10 years since your company got started in this crazy iOS app journey. Yeah, it's been a while and uh, it's phenomenal how fast those 10 years have have passed through. We were like there from the very beginning and witnessed the whole evolution and the whole revolution of mobility. I think that was one of the reasons why we managed to succeed in this area. Yeah, your company launched with a document reader for the iPhone. This was a web app back when web apps were a thing. And then uh, you had a native app, Readle Docs, in 2008. So has, Documents has been the the centerpiece of your apps. Is it continuing to be that? Uh, is the Documents app kind of your main app that people know you by? Yeah, sure. So a little bit of a background story. We launched the first service to read books and documents. And that was, you're right, the web service that was called Riddle from the word read. We've got so many, so, so many users using that, like 60,000 users in a couple of months. And then Apple reached out to us and said, hey guys, we're launching the App Store. Here's the deadline. We want you to be one of the first app makers in the world and be, be present at the day of the launch of the store. So we managed to hit this deadline and uh, we launched our Riddle Docs on the very first day of the App Store. Now, with time, it evolved into Documents app and it is indeed the most downloaded and probably one of the most used apps in, in our portfolio. And I'm talking about millions of users. And what's interesting was the rise of this productivity movement, was the rise of people trying to make use of, of devices, of iPhones and iPads. We see a huge spike, a huge increase of downloads for documents after this file management app over the last year, year and a half. And I can share some numbers to give you perspective. Every month, over a million users get documents app on their devices. And that is growing at a very fast pace. That's fascinating. That's a huge number of users. And it's all organic. Like It's all organic. I'm not doing anything, like no advertising, no user acquisition, no nothing. It's just there. It's a great product. I love it. Documents is a free download. Is that right? 
It is, yes. And then through documents, you have a good method of encouraging paid copies of the PDF app to actually enable, I believe, PDF editing within documents. So you kind of you use your other apps to enhance each other as a ecosystem. I think we've built a very good ecosystem for all our products, and it's very consistent. And if you use it as a package, you can do much more. So think of using documents as a file manager. Then you can think of using PDF expert as a PDF editor, annotator to sign stuff or to do anything with your PDFs. Then you have scanner app that actually allows you to scan documents into good-looking PDFs, then annotate, edit, or sign with PDF experts. And then if you want to print something, you have Printer Pro. Or if you want to send it somewhere, you have you have Spark app. So this is like a very compelling suit. And I think even Apple for iPad experience, they've made a case and they, they told their, their users how you can use Scanner Pro plus PDF Expert plus something else from us. I'm so happy that Apple finally allowed us to sell bundles. And I have this 10th anniversary bundle that has all our products. And up there, there is 50% discount and people love it. Yeah, the, your apps do work great together. Something I noticed as I was going through your website is this app called Fluix. And mm-hmm. it's an enterprise solution. So it looks like besides the consumer end, you're also going business to business. Can you t- talk a little bit about what that's been like? Sure, a little bit of a background story once again, and to give you like more on the understanding of of what we do and why we do things. Essentially, we started this company as we just wanted to create great stuff for people. We did quite well. We did a number of great products that were in the top charts that are used by millions of people. But I think with time, we kind of understood that we are capable to solve much bigger problems in, in technology using our expertise, using our understanding of uh, how people use uh, mobile devices. So I think three or four years ago, we made a decision to try something different because we wanted to grow this company 10x, 20x, 40x. And doing just apps, it's, it wasn't any viable, impossible. And uh, you know, like with, with time, it's just harder and harder to make business on the app store just by selling apps one time. So Fluix was a natural evolution of the PDF experts because the PDF experts got so much traction and the people loved it. We got phone calls from Coca-Cola and they said, hey guys, we love PDF experts. We have 1,000 people in the field. Can you make this custom solution so you can they can use this on their, on their iPads? But we need the security, we need uh, distribution, this and that. And we said, thank you, but we're not doing any kind of custom development. Then we got a call from Starbucks and they had... 3,000 people uh, kind of with a similar problem. And we said, no, we're not doing custom development. <laughs> and then when the Ministry of Defense of the United States, they called us as well. We're like, wait a second. Like, are we missing something here? Is there an opportunity? So that is why we started to explore more of a B2B section. And my brother, who is a co-founder and CEO, he kind of got a separate team. We hired separate people, like extra people to, to our team to do this whole file management, and we called it Flux. So that is why it's a different model. It's a B2B product. It, it has web app at the back end. Uh, and essentially what we do, it does help companies to remove the paper from their processes 
and equip field people with iPads so they can collect any kind of data, they can collect signatures, they can do pictures, and, and then organize and streamline this flow of documents within the organization, removing the paper and waste. Okay. That is a very, very different business. Yeah. It, does that subsidize the consumer apps in a certain to a certain extent, so of course, of course, we from the business perspective, we we reinvested like initial initial development costs and, and operating costs. We reinvested our revenues from our consumer portfolio, but now we broke even uh, last year, and uh, we have over like three hundred fifty paying customers. And one of the largest is let's say Siemens Wind Power Energy. They built and maintained wind turbines in uh, like thirty five countries. Yeah, so that's like just a, just one of the examples of, of customers. Or think of Alaska Airlines. The pilots before they t- take off, they have to do all the pre-flight checks, and they used to to use uh, paper. Now they have uh, iPads mounted in, in their cabin, so they can like get the latest documents, fill out the forms, press one button, and they're ready to take off. So that's just like the examples of the customers that we have. It's kind of under regal umbrella. But it's still, it's a separate team entity and the process inside the company. So it's our take on what is next. And that is one. Number two is, of course, Spark. I think you use Spark and uh, you've mentioned that over email. And I'm happy to talk about that as well. Yeah, Spark is a major new addition that a couple of years old now. Uh, before we get to Spark, I just want to just mention the drag and drop scenario where that was introduced was that May? Was that a month before WWDC when you guys introduced Drag and Drop? It was actually it was ten days before. <laughs> <laughs> Did you guys have any idea what was coming? Did that was that predicted by anyone at your team? Well, to be honest with you, we were expecting to Apple announce something similar. That is why we pushed so hard to be the first on the planet to to kind of introduce the concept and make it live. And of course, it does make perfect sense since our, we have this whole portfolio, the ecosystem of consumer apps. The announcement is in, is in June, but it goes live in September, right? I mean, from Apple. Yeah, so this whole summer, you have this opportunity of people... Absolutely, it's, it's for our users. We always do things for our, what's best for our users. Uh, even though we might, sometimes we might sacrifice our revenue or sacrifice our sleep, and it's just like that in, at, at Regal. And we've got tremendous response from the market. Like, I think every major technology website, like, and every, like, we had so many emails and comments all over the web that people love the idea of drag and drop. And they're like, oh my God, this is so smart how you can drag and drop and create a local server and, and, and fetch one file from another with like displaying how the drag is being performed. So the response was great. And I'm, I'm actually super happy with this campaign. I think there was value for the users. I, I don't know if you've seen the first presentation of iPad Pro. Apple showed, I think it was like Numbers and Excel or something like that, running in split screen view. And it just felt natural to drag a file from one app and drop it into another. But it wasn't there. And I'm happy that, that our engineers are so smart. So we found a way to do that. And then Apple, in 10 days, Apple announced this at the WWDC. For us, it's even right now easier to implement their like more advanced stuff. They allow to copy the content of anything, not just file as a whole. So And for us, it just took like a little, little bit of work since the basics were there. And I think we will be one of the first in the world as well to implement this fully featured 
Apple supported drag and drop, I think you will see something very soon and you will be surprised. Yeah. Is there anything you can speak about today about unique uses of drag and drop that you've discovered? Because it's more than just uh, documents and text. You can drag other things around with iOS 11. Me personally, I will be using it for compiling um, presentations because I do speak at the conferences. And one of the reasons why I wasn't able to use iPad as my main device was that like, it's very hard to to go to multiple sources and just like compile a presentation, just like this simple scenario. And I wasn't, be able to, wasn't being able to, to do that. And, but now, I think with drag and drop, it's much easier. We will be able to do that. Also, think about merging files, merging PDFs, right? Think mm-hmm. about moving some parts of articles or text from Safari or from any kind of browser or, or links or pictures into Spark and send as attachments. All of that will be working uh, in any direction. So the flexibility is there. We have just to provide the tools and the means and people will use it like very intuitively and do the way they want it. And I think we will see a lot of scenarios there. Yeah, I think so. The The Documents app, there's this whole new files app, right? Mm-hmm. And you're able to, with the Documents app, become part of the sidebar there as Google Drive is, mm-hmm. where do you see the value of of documents being siloed within the Documents app versus iCloud Drive? And how do you see the future of people storing files within your app? So the Documents is a Swiss army knife. It's so powerful and it has so many features. Since we've been developing it for 10 years, and there is no way like Apple can just like copy or like, come up with something similar in, in just like a year or two. So to give you a perspective, we see it as a like a full featured file manager. It's a great media player. It's a great PDF annotator. It's also has a built-in browser, which you can, and you can go online and download stuff from the web. For example, you can just open documents, go open this browser inside documents, go to real website, download our press kit, for example, and then just in documents, you have an ability to unzip this press kit, like archive and archive, and uh, compile all those files into one or do whatever you want. So we see it as a, the most powerful file manager, and it will work with files. You will be able to move like files or, or, like, or documents or anything from Files app by Apple into documents to have this much better experience. Yeah, the Files app very much feels to me that the Apple part of it is designed for iCloud Drive. And the locally stored on this iPad is more like a temporary holding place for like a cache of things you downloaded from iCloud Drive. Yep. With Documents, it, it feels like if you want to, this is where be the home of all your local files on your iPad. Exactly. Um, even though you guys integrate really well with all the cloud services, I think with uh, iOS 11, it'll really be advantageous to uh, for users to be this is this is where all my local files are within documents that's true but also uh, we've done very very good job with the latest version of document 6 which we finally allowed people to work online without like downloading files locally for example I'll give you an example uh, if you have something in your Dropbox like a, a video or music or a PDF you can just log from within documents and stream that music or video or read and annotate and make changes to, to that PDF file. And that will not be downloaded to locally. So 
that is something that people asked for a long time, and we were actually finally we managed to do that. Interesting. So not just music, but files. You're able to stream yeah. a PDF and be working on it. Yeah, that's exactly. that's amazing. Yeah. So especially uh, the the storage constrained people or people that just don't want to think about that that that's that's brilliant. Right. And then FTP, you're able to upload and access FTP servers, I believe, within the Documents app. With Documents, we try to support every single storage out there. <laughs> Trust me, it's not that easy. There are so many of those. But yeah, of course, FTP as well. Yeah, but, so uh, power users. What other power user things does, does Documents have that you know Apple won't even try to touch? So to be honest with you, I think the majority of users like might be happy with Files app. And I'm happy that Apple finally introduced this concept of a kind of a place where your files are. And it's still the open question for me, like, should they be online? Should they be in the cloud? Should they be local? Like, how do we find like the best kind of balance between that? And I think Apple is still trying to figure that out. And people sometimes confused where they, their files are. And for example, I recently synced all my files from my MacBook with iCloud. And it's a mess. It's just like some files are disappearing. And I have problems with with like files not not downloading again, and it's and it's just not that easy. Yeah. The idea of having like we as users, we don't have to think where our files are. They should be just there, either in the cloud or or locally. They should always be there at our disposal. So I think um, we are also like trying to solve this problem as well. But for the majority of users, Files app will be great. It will introduce this concept of a file system on their iOS device. For all of those who need more, there will be documents. And to give you a perspective on what happened with PDF Expert. So we launched PDF Expert in late 2009, I believe, a full one year before Adobe launched its Acrobat Reader, which was free. So when they launched it, I got maybe 10 or 15 emails saying, you guys are done. Uh, Adobe is there. Like your app is $10. Adobe is free. And it's a, such a big brand name. What happened in reality was our sales of PDF experts grew 30%. I think what happened is that Adobe introduced this concept and educated their users, given their power and brand and reach and everything. There's always this chunk of users who need more and given the scale of apple there will be a lot of users who want more so i'm I'm trying to remain optimistic and i think uh, it will be great opportunity for us to understand where we want to take documents next yeah i think there's a place for it for sure and uh, yeah more awareness and people people using files more and more on their ios device is definitely a good thing Yep, enough Pokemons and Angry Birds. Let's work. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned drag and drop being something that... Is it something that... Is this it? Can this make your iPad something that makes your laptop stay at home a lot more? Drag and drop is definitely one of those features. So I'm so happy that Apple took this major effort and, and tried to make iPad-specific software for making this as a, as a main computing device. And personally, I love the, the form factor. I love the hardware. So the problem was there, not in hardware, but it's mostly in software. And what they've done was hold this drag and drop with the dock of, dock of apps, right? With the new controls. And all of that is a big step forward. There are a few issues there. So first of all, there is still a learning curve on how to navigate and how to like run two apps at the same time, how to kind of move things around and 
they're not as intuitive as uh, they can be. That's that's my personal view. That's not the view of Rido or something. It's just my personal view. Yeah, it's uh, they're pro features right now, yeah. right? So yeah. an iPad that uh, Grandma's using and it's exactly. custom device, she won't actually think her iPad's that much different when iOS 11 comes out. It's people that need to get work done that'll be figuring this stuff out and learning the interface. But yeah, it's not immediately apparent. Exactly. So there is this learning curve. But once you, you've done that, so I think it's a, it's a very powerful device. And I think with all this movement of professional apps moving into subscriptions so they can like support things and add new things and create unique experiences on this device, I think... More and more increasingly, we will see that people will be using iPad more as their main computing device. But the second issue that I think, it's not the limitation of the device. I think it's the limitation of like the mental limitation of how you're using this device. So people are used to the mice and keyboard, right? Or they used to certain apps that do their, that help them to do their work and their job. Uh, and I think there is like an evolution, like eventual evolution of how the very same tasks could be done in a different way. To give you a perspective, right, there is this whole PDF movement, right? And a lot of people are using PDFs to sign documents, for example. And there is the new app was called EcoSign Eco or DocuSign or well, those apps who actually removed the actual file and you just get a notification and you sign it in a different way. So it's a different experience. So I think we have to like see and embrace this profound change of how we do things to get those results and not do this very same things we used to do on a, on a PC and now we want to do that on an iPad and it just doesn't work this way. So I think that we're kind of in this st still stage of figuring things out. But I think this change is coming, and it's and it's apparent. Yeah, instead of trying to find the exact app you have for Windows or Mac, you need to analyze what's the goal, what are you trying to accomplish, and figure out what's the process for doing that on iPad. Exactly. And I've done this. I've transitioned 95% of what I do at work to my iPad, and... It, it is a rethinking process, and it's, it's fun for for a certain for certain people to to rethink that. But for others, they're just gonna be comfortable with where they're at and not want to change. Yeah, I agree. It's just a lot of time and effort. And uh, to be honest, what I found out was Spark, for example, what it showed me: you cannot create an email app that is sixty percent better than what they have because the perceptive pain of switching costs is so high, and so that's why it has to be like monumentally better, right? It has to, to change the whole experience and then people will switch. Mm -hmm. Same thing yeah. with, with, with switching from MacBook or PC to iPad. And I don't want to be like figuring out things out like and spend a week like doing all this workflow stuff and writing codes or finding some hacks how to do things. It's just, and, and for what? I don't see that I will be more productive, but there must be a way to, to kind of to to get the majority of people onto that and show them that it's not that hard and it's easy. And here's your benefit, boom, and actually show it. So I think iPad marketing team has been very, very focused on that and trying to figure out like what is the job and how can we do that using iPads and using which apps and showcase all of that. And I think uh, we will see something cool uh, during the keynotes in September. Yeah.
Uh, agreed. Yeah, now that apps are being developed with iOS 11 features, that keynote could be packed full of really awesome examples of a day in the life of a worker using an iPad. Yep, that is true. You mentioned Spark. I switched to Spark a couple months ago, and I'm loving it. The main feature I was trying to find within all the iOS apps is HTML signatures. And I believe yours is the only app that really does that. Is that, do you know, is that accurate or? I think there are, there are a few more who, who do that, but not that easy. And uh, Yeah. And the, the swiping between your different signatures is just oh, is such a natural I love it. interface. Right? right? So cool. Did you see it on our video or how did you find out that you can swipe? I discovered it just using the app. I, I had two in there and I noticed it was moving. Yeah, so, yeah, I, yeah, it was a discovery thing. I didn't, uh, I didn't see that as an advertised feature. I love this feature. It's so tiny, but it's so cool. It's so visual and very emotional. So I love it. Yeah, because I, I definitely, I go between two signatures at work, and it's, I use it all day long. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite feature within Spark that that you're most oh, fond of? Absolutely. So I have two favorite features. First, like one is more emotional, and that's just hands down quick replies. So quick replies for those for you guys, if you don't know, you can reply a person just tapping a button or customizing your, your quick reply saying like, like this email or thank you or great idea or thumbs up. So it's an emotional confirmation that you've got this email. So you don't have to kind of reply. Hi, Tim. Thank you very much for your email. I've got it. Talk to you soon. Dennis, right? You just yeah. like click one button and then this like goes goes to Tim and it's very emotional and I love it. But number two is of course the whole smart inbox. Uh, that's the whole principle on how Spark was built um, and it allows to see what's important in your in- inbox and get rid of all the junk and not important stuff very, very quickly. It's just the speed uh, how I can process my email and it's just phenomenal and I think we've done a great job. One of the weakest points within Apple's mail client, I think, is their search. It's just terrible. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you have smart language search, and your search is really well done. Can you speak a little bit about what kind of smart language searches you do on a regular basis? Me personally? Yeah, and uh, yeah. feedback so, you've gotten from so, users as far yeah, as what's let's just well. give some. So let's just give some uh, context to the guys who never use Spark. So what we've done, we, we actually, I, I talked to 70 people during WWDC trying to figure out what are the pains of email. And almost everybody said, hey, like search is just horrible. It's broken. It's slow. It never shows my emails. So we spend a lot of time, a lot of time trying to figure out how do, do we do search. And we wanted to make it as human as possible. So We've used some uh, natural language processing powers and we try to make it more smart and relevant. Uh, and there's a lot of like algorithms behind it. But what it does essentially, if, if you search, for example, email from Tim with PDF attachments last week, it will kind of understand that Tim and it will give me a few options, which kind of Tim and then the PDF attachment and last week will be interpreted using this natural language processing and it will just show those emails uh, which fit this criteria and we've just launched an update to our mac version of spark and it's just it's just beautiful it kind of shows uh, the bits that spark understands and you can customize that and and change change those so you get very very relevant searches super fast and the feedback was tremendous on that 
Me personally, I search uh, by name and I search by document type. So for example, if I'm talking to somebody from Apple who send like some, some PDF stuff or contract to sign, I just search like the email from Dave, for example, with PDF attachments. It will be shown good way. From within the search, I can actually click the, the PDF file. It will be just there and it will move me to the direct message within the thread that it found. It's a great experience and that's my favorite. And by the way, speaking of PDFs and Spark attachments uh, and integrations, we are now almost done working on very, very smooth integrations within Spark and PDF Expert. So for example, if you get a PDF attachment, you can open it to, with PDF Expert to sign, edit, or, or annotate, or do anything you want. For this specific scenario, an email back with Spark, and it's like a custom integration that is very, very, very easy to use, and it's going live pretty soon. Brilliant. Is it, it does it give you the option to keep a copy of the signed document for yourself, or does it work with the existing file that's just emailed back and you're not storing an extra copy? Of course. So, so once you get this PDF attachment and, and you can tap on it and it says using PDF attachment, you can sign, annotate, or, or edit. And uh, depending on which, which kind of path you choose, you will have a customized experience to do just that. And after you've done editing or signing, you will have two options, either reply uh, to the, do the email uh, and attach this file or send this file as a new file or save it to PDF experts. So we kind of try to solve all, uh, okay. to yeah, of cover all the scenarios. The, uh, I guess, traditional problem of files on iOS is you end up with 20,000 copies of the same file. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There are a couple different third-party app integrations, such as OmniFocus. Do you use any of the third-party integrations on a regular basis? Uh, Tim, it's a, it's a great time that you asked. Um, so on iOS, we do support some integrations. We do support like Evernote, uh, Dropbox, uh, OneDrive, and things like that. We do support Pocket as well. But for the last three months, we've spent doing so much on Mac version to support this uh, this real, real like, professional integrations with top productivity apps, um, especially with Evernote, Things, Omni, Trello, Asana, and, and others. So it's not just like the integration that's kind of, uh, we just add some, some simple stuff and, and it's, just, it's just there. We actually thought very, very deeply about the experience for every single integration. And we tried to kind of create and cover best, best case scenarios so people can use that within one click and get stuff done and move, let's say, files or text or attachments or, uh, from Spark to, let's say, Evernote with one click or, and, and then from Evernote to go back or create a task in Asana in the right board, in the right kind of room uh, with the right people assigned. So we spent three months doing that. And uh, this is going live next week. And I think that is the best in class integrations that's that ever been present in, in the email. And uh, we've been to Evernote offices and they loved it. So they're like pushing me right now, Dennis, when is it going live? We want, <laughs> we want, we want, we want, we want it live. So I will, uh, I will follow up with the whole uh, list of services that we will support. But I'm super, super, like genuinely super excited about that. Oh, that, that's going to be brilliant. Yeah. So Mac users will get a very nice experience for working with third parties yep. and third party services. Yeah. Yeah. I use the OmniFocus one quite a bit uh, within Spark on iOS. 
Uh-huh. Uh, something I noticed Apple Mail does with iOS 11 is you're able to drag an email to say OmniFocus uh, if, if you're running the OmniFocus beta and create a task out of that. Is that something your team's looked at uh, doing something similar of being able to drag an email to do something with that email for iOS 11? You mean dragging the email on iPad, right? Into yeah, exactly. Into different, different app and create a task from the email. It's a great case. Let me let me talk to our engineering team and our integration team. I think we've, we've covered some of those options, but, but I'm not sure where we are right now with those. We were mostly focused on, on Mac integrations for now. But I think once we're done with Mac, we will actually, after a few weeks, we will actually come back to the iOS and work with the iOS as well. So that is something that we definitely will, will uh, look at. Fantastic. Something I noticed on a recent blog post is kind of the future of Spark. And it mentions an Android version. And the reason for this is the aspirations of Spark is to rethink email, do that. Your whole team at your work needs to be using Spark. So the, that brings the case for Android and maybe a Windows version. Do, is that... And web. And web. And web, well. yeah. <laughs> So is that kind of the future of Spark, making sure there's clients for all the different main platforms out there? Yes. So remember how I said that we thought that we can solve much bigger problems in tech and Spark, Spulix was number one and Spark was definitely number two, kind of the second line, kind of avenue that we're going right now and going like full speed and all in. So the way we see it, we, we see Spark being a great email for teams, for communication within teams and Kind of, it can redefine the whole mechanics on how team can use the email and uh, communicate internally. We're doing a lot of that, and I think we will launch this fall, and this will be something very, very awesome. I can give you a few hints of what it's going to be and what kind of scenarios we're trying to solve. For example, we want to to kill the forwards mechanics within the team. It's just broken. Imagine, like, I think we all have been through this situation where we just endlessly forward this email <laughs> or thread to yeah. different people and getting their feedback. And it just all gets complicated. And, 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 and it's just impossible to read after some time, impossible to search. And it's just a bad experience. So we came up with something better, like way better. Uh, number two, sharing emails or threads with uh, either internal or external parties is something that, that should be done and will be done. And that is where web part will come in, come handy. And so that this ensures the flow of information. Number three, we were surprised by the importance from our customer research, from by the importance of the integration between email and calendars and team calendars and kind of SMS, getting team members, like five or six team members to meet at this conference room on Wednesday for one hour is a mess. So we are adding a full a featured calendar to Spark, and that will have a personal calendar as well. But also the team mechanics will be something of a revolutionary and, and unique. We'll use all the machine power to figure out the best for, for all the participants. And, and just like in, in one click, you can set up a meeting, which is always a pain and ping pong of emails. We have a lot of stuff coming. Yeah, that's some major pain points for everyone doing their day job. Uh, at, at least uh, I, I experience a lot of those myself. Yeah, so we call this we call this Spark 2.0, say Spark for Teams, but also for on a personal level, we still want to, it to be like a great, great app for the personal use, and it will be free for personal use. But once you get the team 
And when you, as a team, you realize, oh, wow, this is like something that changed how we work. And we are happy to pay, I don't know, $5 per user per month. Kind of like a Slack model. So free for consumers and then the, the business users pay. I, that's, that makes sense yep. business-wise, a- for absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't know if you've seen the news, but I think three months ago, Terry Blanchard, who was uh, leading Apple Mail, he joined the team. Uh, he was with Apple for six years uh, as an engineering manager of Apple Mail. And now he joined Spark to, to kind of help us to scale and build the future of Spark. Brilliant. Yes, you have someone that knows the intricacies of iOS and Mac OS to help you build out something that much better. And Mm -hmm. you can move at a faster pace than what Apple is able to do because Apple has to... They they move at once a year. Once a year, and they're working a lot of things all at once, yeah. Yeah, that was one of the reasons uh, Terry Terry joined. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah, they're doing great things, Apple, but uh, they they have to move very... uh, strategically because of all the things they're doing. Absolutely. We can be more scrappy, more like we can be faster. Imagine like running Apple Mail for, I don't know, 700 million people and, and making it able like, so your, our grandma can use it or the office uh, worker can use it and it, it should just work for everybody. And it's super hard. Yeah. Right. And whereas, whereas Spark is more focused towards the uh, teams, towards people who work towards the people in technology, just uh, much more narrow focus so we can be faster, way faster. Yeah. Now, you have PDF Office and PDF Expert. What's the different use case for those two apps? Who are the different apps for? Is one for business users, one for consumers? What's what's the differences there? Sure. I'll be um, super honest with you guys. Uh, so PDF Office was our take three years ago to create not just an app and charge for once, but to create more of a service and value that is uh, recurring. So we can charge, we can ask for a recurring fee. And that was our take on trying the subscription model. And from the financial point of view, it failed. Three years ago, we launched PDF Office. And the main thing about PDF Office was that it was a product that allowed you to create PDFs from scratch and create fillable PDF forms using camera and some advanced technology. And nobody else on the market was uh, able to do that. The closest competitor is uh, Adobe Form Creator, which was at that point, I think, like six or $700. And uh, it was just uh, impossible to use. And there are, there is this niche that where people just have to create forms, PDF forms, for, be it for tax, be it for for flight takeoffs, and there are like hundreds and thousands of those. So we wanted to take that. So this was for more, mostly for form creation, whereas PDF Expert, it was more of an advanced and fast and robust reader, and now it's more of an editor. So it's a very, I think it's a very different kind of, the audience and the customers are very different. Okay, yes, yeah, so one's a creation tool and one's, yeah, the modification yeah. and reading. Okay, that makes total sense now. Exactly. Now, you mentioned using the camera, and that just thought, in my mind, ARKit. Is there anything in ARKit that excites you and your developers for features within your own apps? We were blown away when we saw the ARKit presentation. And not just like by, by what, what was shown, but, but also by the technicalities of, of that and how they were able to run that on an iPhone, on a, an iPhone like 7, it just was phenomenal. Like the processing power to run that was always super high. So Apple did a very, very astonishing job doing that and packaging it on as a kit on so that this could be run using the iPhone processor or, or iPad processor. Um, so that's one. 
Number two, we are, of course, looking at that and, and trying to, to, to think for the future. Like, what is the future of productivity? What is the, how can we redefine productivity? What, what is the future of kind of, of the office work will be? And how can we use AR for that? So <laughs> our CTO and co-founder over a weekend, he had this uh, coding hacking session and he coded, which we call PDF Experts AR. And actually I have a video for that. And, uh, it's a very cool thing. I'm not sure like if it's usable or not for like real life scenarios. Yeah. But but for now, you can just find a table like and you point your iPhone right around the table and you can place PDFs there and then you can it just stays there. But I, I think it's better seen than than explained. I'll just send you the video. You can probably link it to this uh, post or yeah, this that'd be uh, great. this interview. It's still uh, kind of. Uh, work in progress and we're still trying to figure out how can we use that but i'm super excited about that and of course for for games for interactions for design for architect architects it's just phenomenal yeah i'm curious what developers do with it because a lot of the cool things i've seen i'd love in eyeglasses form where i'm not having to hold the iphone to look through that i'm curious when when the eyeglasses from apple will eventually ship Mm-hmm. Apple's using AirKit for document scanning. Is that something you've looked? Your developers have looked into to make your Scanner Pro that much better? Yeah, we look at that for sure. So the idea was to to understand using this, you can understand potential. You can understand the size of a document and understand if it's a business card, if it's a document like a big contract, or if it's a check or a bill, right from from a restaurant. So knowing that, you can predict smartly what's on you based on usage and based on what's what what a person is doing with this you can give an easier way to kind of to predict what's going to be done so you can say if we know that you scan uh, your bill or check in the restaurant and you then save it to a specific dropbox folder so you can be reimbursed we can know that and just tell you like hey tim just press this button and it, it will be gone into this folder but with all our tests, the AR kit was still not able to perform a very good classification on what kind of, of document it is and mm-hmm. what size size of it. Because it's it's very hard to to find the absolute measures. It's easy to kind of to, to understand the relative measures. Yeah. Um, but the absolute one is super hard to, to predict because you, we don't know, like say if you scan a table, we don't know the size of a table. And the, the, the AR kit doesn't know the size of a table. And it just sees this this uh, let's say let's say check, right? So there are some technical issues, but I think uh, we will spend much more time this year, next year, trying to figure it out. So we can make things that are smart, so people can think less. <laughs> and yeah, we want to make like the whole like the whole of our idea is to redefine productivity using technology, using AI, machine learning, like these new kids, these smart algorithms. We want to create a, a, a set of proactive tools that that is smart enough and that can actually help you proactively with your life and that's kind of the whole like why we do some things yeah technology getting out of your way and being easier to do your day-to-day life absolutely one of the apps we haven't covered yet is calendars 5 what would you like to mention about calendars 5 for people curious to take a look at it calendars 5 honestly uh, we spent nine months last year trying to redefine calendars and trying to think of a new concept, of a new calendaring concept. Because we just, we, we, if we do something, we want to 
create real value and find out real pain points and, and, and come up with solutions. And it's super hard to, to kind of reinvent calendars. I'll be honest with you. It's, we've spent nine months with like mocking ups and, and like coding and like trying to figure out what's next. And then we realized there was this huge interdependence between, between calendars and email. And one is tightly connected to another. And that is why we're doing this uh, full featured calendar within Spark. Calendars 5 as a standalone app is great as of now. And I think we've done a great job three years ago when we when we launched it. And uh, definitely our focus would be to, to integrate calendars and make it smart within Spark for this year. Uh, and we'll see what's, what's going to happen next year. But me personally, of course, I want a great calendar app that is proactive, that is smart, that is uh, with uh, this AI, you know, and, uh, and, and, and that is beautiful. And I think there is a market for that. There is no great calendar apps. There is none in the app store. Uh, I mean, yeah, our calendar is great, but I'm biased, but it's just Google, Google calendar. And, 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 and there's fantastic. It's, 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 it's decent app. Um, but Sunrise was acquired by Microsoft and, and people loved Sunrise, even though it, it was never a big, big hit. Yeah. But the, the app itself was great. So the, I think it was acquired for like a hundred million dollars. So, so people were really upset and there was a big opportunity right there. Yeah. One of the things I noticed using calendars a little bit is uh, the built-in task manager, which is really nice. If you're looking for just a simple task manager that does recurring tasks, it's Nice to have that with your calendar. So that, that is something I, I really did uh, appreciate being in there. Mm-hmm. Thank you. So uh, the other app we haven't mentioned is Printer Pro. I just want to mention it real quick before we wrap up. It's one of the most useful apps to have on my iPad. It lets me talk to all these legacy printers, including the one in my apartment. And it's just just a godsend to have something like that on my iPad and iPhone. Yeah, it's, it's, it's just, it's just great for a little, little app that allows you to print anything from iPads uh, to any printer, not just the Air Print supported. And also we've, we've done a decent job adding some advanced settings and options that people really appreciate. Yeah, so if you do printing, printing Printer Pro is yeah definitely worth taking a look at. And then uh, last question I guess I have for you is what's your favorite Readle app that, that you guys make? Readle app or, or app overall? Um, let's start. Let's do Readle and App overall. Yeah, let's do both. Okay, so I I rely. I live in Spark. I live there. I get uh, two three hundred emails per day, and I live in Spark, and that's 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 where my passion. And they're like, I love it. Then trying to to improve it. Like if I find something that doesn't work perfectly, I just go to our engineer engineers and just show them. And so we continuously improve that. And speaking of the apps overall. I had a few favorite apps, but recently I've been a fan of these, of these mindfulness, whole mindfulness category. And one of my favorite apps is actually Day One. Day One is a very cool journaling app that allows you to have kind of a record or, or, or write down things every day. So you have like your personal journal. It's not public. It's just your thoughts. It's personal and it's great to, let's say, to to move move back in time and see your thoughts three years ago and what you were thinking about and where you were and uh, what was your kind of attitude towards things and kind of your personal very very personal so i love that yeah excellent well ios 11 is coming out this fall you developers are hard at work is there uh anything real quick you want to mention as far as something you've been playing with in the uh, developer uh, area of the building that you're excited uh, about this fall 
Well, iOS 11 is definitely the biggest thing is, is on iPad. Yeah. So we, we will definitely update all our apps, all our iPad apps to support uh, all the drag and drop features, all the files compatibility. So not only you will be able to drag and drop, let's say, files from PDF Expert, but also from even Apple Files app, you will be able to drag and drop into into, into Spark. So supporting all that, uh, me personally, I'm excited about the new App Store. And I think Apple has done an amazing job revamping the whole App Store, but that's a whole different conversation. <laughs> but in reality, I think we will see more engagement. We will see a pattern building kind of Apple wants to build a pattern and let people come every day to discover something new. And I think they've been doing this for a long time internally, and now they're launching it and, uh, with, the, with the announcement. And we will see a lot of different of new stuff that I'm personally excited about. So those are the main things. Excellent. Well, thank you so much, Dennis, for your time today. It's been fantastic speaking with you. Where can people find more information about the Riedel apps? Sure. Uh, you can go to Riedel.com, and uh, we have all our information there. And also, since we just turned 10 years old, the 10th anniversary, we still have this uh, page that, that, that kind of shows our timeline and history and the events and, and how many cans of Red Bull were <laughs> we, we drank during, during this uh, all nighters. And we've done a very, very cool video. I mean, I, I think it's, it's a cool video. It's, it's more of a story and what drives us and, and why we do things. And it's three minutes, 40 seconds. But I think it's worthwhile watching if you, if you really want to understand how we managed to build this out of Ukraine, right? And, and, and then now expand geographically and, yeah. and people from Apple and other people, like big companies joining us to build the future of work. Excellent. So uh, yeah. once again, Google.com. And uh, Tim, thank you so much for having me. It's a, it's, it's a real pleasure and honor. Thank you, Dennis. It's been great catching up. Thanks for listening to this episode of iPad Pros. You can find more information about Riedel at Riedel.com. That's R-E-A-D-D-L-E.com. You can find the show notes over at iPadPros.net. Most of the show notes include screencasts that give you a good look at whatever app or workflow is discussed that episode. You can find these extras, if an episode has them, over at iPadPros.net. If you like the show, please review it in iTunes and pass along to a friend. Reviews really help, so I'd really appreciate if you could head on over to iTunes to do that, leave a review. If you have feedback or questions, please send those to iPadProsPodcast at gmail.com. If you have an interesting workflow or use the iPad, please get in touch. I'd love to hear from you. You can follow the show on Twitter at iPadProsPodcast and follow me on Twitter at T-C-H-A-T-E-N. Thanks for listening to this episode of iPad Pros.